Hey everyone. Good morning. I think I can't see without all my glasses, but I think I know everybody here. If you don't know me, I'm Jess. Glad you're here today. Uh, it's been a bit of a weekend. Feelings and emotions. I just thank you guys for showing up and being real in the middle of it all too. Um, yeah, and I'm going to do the same. <laughs> Um, it is Palm Sunday today. This is actually the second time that I have taught on a Palm Sunday and not taught on Palm Sunday. So <laughs> I feel like maybe I should teach on Palm Sunday. But anyways, I was actually thinking about it today. And um, the fact that, you know, Jesus, this is when Jesus was riding in on a donkey and the people were waving their uh, palm branches and shouting Hosanna. And the people of Israel were looking for Jesus to be their king and their deliverer from Rome. Um, and Jesus is going through all of this and they're all super excited about what he's gonna do and he's their new king. And he's like, I'm about to actually destroy sin and death. Um, so much bigger than you even can imagine. Yeah, Rome, sure, but like sin and death, there's so much more. And so even as we're going to be learning today, I just am sensing God through this whole study. You know, we come with these expectations of what God's going to do, and then he blows the roof off and does something completely different than we thought and so much better, which is his way. He is a good king. So... Um, there's my Palm Sunday plug. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're just keeping on with our series this morning. Um, I'm going to read the scripture for us. It is continuing in Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount. Um, it should be up there somewhere. It's fine, I'll just read it. Um, Again, you have heard that it was said to, the, to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let, it, let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. This is the word of the Lord. And so in this whole Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is taking the law in which the people of Israel know very well, and he is revealing to them the kingdom and the deeper things. Um, and I'm sure by now, as we're going through, you can kind of hear the threads, the same themes, the same things that are kind of coming out, but from different angles, you know, and it's almost like God is circling around, circling around, and he's getting zeroing in on our hearts because that's actually the point. Um, in Luke 17, verse 21, Jesus says, the kingdom of God is within you, or it is among you in your midst, meaning it's here and it's here. It's in our hearts and it's between our hearts. And Jesus is showing us that the kingdom actually begins in the heart and goes out from there. And as it is established in us, it is established then around us because it's going from heart to heart and it's a relational kingdom. He is a king of a kingdom that is built on relationship. Um, so we're, we're diving in deeper to that every single week. And 
I am convicted every single week. I think I come and I'm like, oh, I don't know if this one pertains to me. And then I'm like, yeah, it definitely does. <laughs> and just realizing how much um, the need for us to just be constantly checking ourselves and being like, where am I out of line with you, Lord? And how gracious he is to daily be walking that through with us and just carrying us through and teaching us and leading us on. I'm really thankful for the message that Tom shared, um, the renovation of the heart message. If you haven't listened to it, I suggest you go back and listen to it or listen again. It was so timely just right in the middle of all of this stuff and just how, you know, we, we absolutely need that renovation of our hearts and um, just that God is always wanting to do that deeper work in us and we get to say yes to that every day. Um, there is a scripture in James I just want to read. And it says, Don't just listen to the word of truth and not respond to it, for that is the essence of self-deception. So always let his word become like poetry written and fulfilled by your life. If you listen to the word and don't live out the message you hear, you become like the person who looks in the mirror of the word to discover the reflection of his face in the beginning. You perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the word, but then go out and forget your divine origin. But those who set their gaze deeply into perfecting the perfecting law of liberty are fascinated by it and respond to the truth they hear and are strengthened by it. They experience God's blessing in all that they do. Yeah, that's good. That's the Passion Translation. Don't always love it, but I love it for that one. <laughs> so good the way it's put, hey? Um, and so, I mean, that's it. Let's not just hear the word of God and forget what we're learning, but actually let it transform us. And so that's my prayer for us today. Um, when Jillian shared a few weeks back, she referenced that song that had the line, come, let yourself be wrong. And that is what we want. Um, we want the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We want to grow. We want to change. We want God to move. Um, but actually, that does take deeper levels of honesty and vulnerability on our part. And actually, that's where we're headed today in this scripture. So I'm just going to pray. We'll get into the text and context here. So Father, I thank you that you're good. I thank you that your plans are to lead us into um, deeper relationship with you, that we would become more like you, Jesus, that our hearts would be transformed, that your kingdom would be actually living and growing and expanding in our own hearts and lives and then in the lives of those around us, that this whole earth would be changed for your glory, Lord. And so I just pray that even us here in Alliston, in this little space, just as we are here as we're showing up, that you would do a work in our hearts, that we would let you in, and that we would be honest, and we would let you do what you do best, Lord. So we commit this time to you, in Jesus' name, amen. Um, so if we can just go back to the scripture for a sec. Um, I'll read it again. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you, you cannot make one hair white or black. 
Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more from this comes from evil. And so here Jesus is actually kind of summarizing or making reference to a number of scriptures throughout the, the Torah, the, the law. Um, one of them being in Exodus um, from the Ten Commandments. It says, do not take the name of the Lord in vain. Um, Leviticus 19 verse 12, which says, you shall not swear falsely by my name and so profane the name of your God. And then another one in Deuteronomy, which if you're reading the Bible plan, you should have read it this week. Deuteronomy 23, shout out. If you make a vow to God, fulfill it, and you shall be careful to do what has passed your lips. Um, so just to give a little bit of context in this, so at this time, um, it was very common for the people of Israel to take oaths to swear by God in order to secure trust in what they were saying or promising to do. So I, I promise to do this, I'm gonna take an oath, I swear by God, I will fulfill my promise, or I am telling you the truth in this matter, and I swear by God, this is true. And so what they're actually doing is they're associating themselves with God's reputation um, in order to help both bolster their claims. So they're saying like, God is my witness, I will do this. Which is all fine and dandy if what we say is 100% true all the time and what we say we're gonna do is 100% what we do all the time, except that really isn't so much the way. Um, so what ends up happening is people are attaching their broken and their dishonest things to the goodness and the trustworthiness of God and his character. And they're using that to manipulate decisions or manipulate people's viewpoints of them um, in their relationships and in their interactions. Um, and this is actually an abuse of God's reputation, which would be taking the Lord's name in vain. Um, so then, of course, as people do with rules and laws, they try to skirt their way around it. Um, and so what they were doing and actually what some rabbis were teaching were don't swear by God's name, swear by other things. So like the city or heaven or earth or other things we find sacred, but they're not really God. So you're not going to be held to that kind of an oath. Like it's not super binding if you do this. Um, and so people were doing that and um, finding ways to then swear by all these other things and it's like not as severe and i'm not really not lying but i'm not really telling the truth and then we're you know finding that weird gray area that we like to exist in however this is an abuse of scripture and it led to people frivolously swearing by things and all kinds of manipulation in relationships and oaths mingling with everyday speech it became a common practice for people to actually convince someone they were telling the truth while lying by bringing some person or eminent object into the conversation and into reference. So it's almost like you're standing there with your fingers crossed behind your back, like, I'm telling you the truth, but they're not. And so, I mean, it's very human of us. Um, Tom shared a prayer that was saying, Lord, help me to do what is right, not just what is not wrong. And how often we flip that and do what is not wrong instead of what is just right. Um, but that's what Jesus is getting at here. He's saying, just let your yes be yes, and your no be no. This is about simple honesty, and we need to show up and be simply honest. Um, so for us today, we don't really take oaths and vows and things like that so seriously, apart from maybe when we're in court or we're taking our marriage vows, things like that. 
Um, we do definitely have that watered down version of like people say, I swear to God, this happened. Or like there's a Kanye West song that's on God and he raps about how like who I am is on God, you know. <laughs> um, people say things like, I swear on my mother's grave. I swear on my children's head. I swear on these things. And it's, it's funny because when you actually say that, you are then like basically saying, I, th I know you think I'm lying. Yeah. But I'm telling you, I swear to this because I'm actually telling the truth. And it's almost like we've created this system where it's like lies are just expected. Um, and I mean, truth really isn't even true anymore in the world. Sadly, the world we live in is more about how the truth is spun in order to say what people want it to say. Um, we see that large scale media, the news, advertisements, brands that stamp their quality on stuff. I don't know if you guys remember, we were debating whether it was McDonald's or Burger King that was saying 100% beef. And it had a little trademark thing beside it because it wasn't actually 100% beef. It was a company called 100% beef that they were buying their meat products from so that they could say it was 100% beef. Stuff like that is like really normal in our world, sadly. Um, we have beauty products that promise all these things that are completely fake. We have social media filters that completely change the way you look entirely. Um, I remember one time being in this is in the news and in the court system. I remember being in a courtroom and hearing the proceedings of something happening and then going home and the next day reading in the newspaper. I was like, that guy was in the news or was in the courtroom with me. I heard what he heard and that person didn't say that and he's it's published in the news as though it was true. And just thinking like, this is, this is constantly being fed to us. Um, even systems like government and healthcare, sadly, even the church, things that we're supposed to be able to trust has us questioning what is even true and trustworthy anymore. And so that is the kind of stuff that we're constantly inundated with. This is the world we live in. This is what we're surrounded in all the time. We're, we're being fed this day after day. And, and then we take it a little closer to home, just like Jesus likes to do, zero in on the heart. And the more you do that, it gets a little more gritty because you realize the effects of it in our own lives. How easy it is for us just to adopt this large scale way of thinking where we just put a spin on our truth just a little bit. How easy it is for us to just put ourselves together into these neat little packages of this is what my life looks like. How are you doing? I'm fine. I'm good. How are you? I even answered that question so many times this morning. How are you? Good. How are you? I didn't even think about it. I just, I'm like, not so good. I'm a mess. But I don't say that right off the bat. We don't do that, right? We just tidy ourselves up and we present the best. We fancy up the truth. We spin our stories just a little more. And we do this to present ourselves in the best possible light in order to secure our own reputation and in order to secure our own importance in the world around us. And guys, honestly, like I'm saying all this stuff, we are a pretty honest and open community. Like I actually wanna give you guys some encouragement in that. Like I do see people being real and people being honest and relationships growing in that. And, and so I wanna say, yes, we're doing that. But I think that the, um, it's easy for us then to just then say, well, this doesn't apply to me. I'm not like the world in that. I'm not on Instagram or Facebook or TikTok faking it all. And I'm not, you know, doing all these things that aren't real. But I want to challenge us here 
Every single one of us in this room does this. Every single one of us in this room. We spin some kind of alternative truth. And the thing is, is that we want so badly to be known and we want so badly to know each other. And that's our heart, but we're constantly hiding. We're constantly hiding. We use our words to do this and we present versions of ourselves that are actually not true. More often than not, we exist in this space where we're managing how people think of us and their expectation of us instead of just showing up honestly as we really are. And here's the thing with that. If we never show up as our true selves, we never actually let people know who we really are. Are we actually ever really living? Are we actually really free? Can we truly become what God is bringing us into if we're showing up not as we are? Because this is actually something that is fueled by fear and insecurity, which is counter kingdom. The kingdom of God is love and relationship. And this is fear and insecurity. And so it's not the way. And guys, I am so guilty of this. So I am preaching to myself right now. Hear me when I say I've been so convicted by this message as I've been studying I don't like my mess out there for everyone to see, not even the people I trust, ask my husband. It takes a while to like get to my mess. <laughs> um, I don't like being weak. I don't like not having answers. I don't like having myself not put together. I hate being vulnerable and this is uncomfortable. And so if you're kind of like, like there's something squirming in you, I get it because I'm there too. Um, but God has been doing some work in me over the years, and I think he's just wanting to take us all deeper into it today. Um, and this week, as I was driving, I guess probably because my mindset was here, this is a picture that the Lord kind of, or I noticed it anyway. So I'm driving down the road, and there's like four or five houses in a row. I can't remember where I was, but four or five houses in a row, and they're kind of a little out in the country, but they all have like about an acre or so of land, give or take. And all their houses are there. There's not really any trees and there's no fences. <laughs> and I'm saying this like, oh. but I was like, it bugged me. Like I looked at it and I was like, gosh, like the one house had like this shed and there was all the, you know, the stuff that hides behind the shed, you know, just like throw it back there so you can't see. Oh, it was all out there. It was like there, very present to the neighbor who was right next door and like, just people's stuff everywhere. And I was like, this feels so exposed. And like, it like rattled me a little bit. And I was thinking like, why don't you build some fences, y'all? Like, just hide that. <laughs> like, your neighbors probably hate you. <laughs> but it's funny though. And I was like, that's ridiculous how bothered I was by this. But and there was like a dog running across the property. And like, yes, there were clear property lines. You knew whose space was whose. But there was something there that I was like, there's an openness here that is vulnerable and kind of uncomfortable. And they're okay with it, apparently. Um, and I, I then was talking to Tom about it, and he reminded me of when we had our backyard all open when we were renovating our fence. And like, so before you build your new fence, your old fence has to go down. You take it all out, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, hey, neighbor, like, here's my mess, here's your mess. 
well, this is messy. And then you go out in your backyard and you're like, go to hang out back there and there's your neighbor standing there and you're like, hi, like, we're in, we're in each other's space. The walls are down. I feel exposed. Are you looking in my windows? Like it felt really vulnerable. And I realized through those silly little things, how much I like to keep myself safe and how much I want to just like, no, you don't need to come in. I'm fine. I'm good. Um, and it's convicting, really convicting. The beautiful thing is like, okay, our, our fence was down for a couple weeks, I think, but we hung out with our neighbors. Their kids played all through the three backyards. They thought it was so fun to have all this space. And like things happened where like relationship actually deepened. So I'm like, yeah, okay, there's good here, right? Um, but here's the truth. Like if we want to be known, we want to know people and we want to be known by God and we want to know God. If we want his kingdom to be moving and growing in our families and in our community, like we are saying we do, we got to go deeper. We got to show up honest. And I'm not even just talking about like confessing our sin here. Like, yes, we do have to do that. And there's been a lot of that in, in this. There's conviction and confession, and that is beautiful and necessary. I'm even talking about just where you're at, how you're doing, where are your feelings, what's going on in your life. And sometimes I think we hold those things almost closer. Like, okay, you can have my sin. I'll confess it, and that's fine. But you don't get to have access to me in this way. But we've got to let our guards down, and we have to stop the charades of pretending. But in a world that tells you to cover up your ugly mess, to enhance and manipulate your beauty, to embellish the truth where vulnerability is seen as weak and honesty is mocked, or even in our own worlds where we've experienced firsthand being vulnerable and getting hurt, where we've experienced broken relationship and rejection and isolation and our pain, how do we actually do this? And not to give the Sunday school answer, but the right answer is we look to Jesus. Um, we look to the God who chose He chose the way of vulnerability. He came in the most vulnerable way as a baby, living a very human life. We look to the God who sees the deepest, darkest, saddest, ugliest parts of who we are, and he doesn't turn away. Not only that, he comes close. He doesn't just enter our mess. He actually took it on himself entirely. He doesn't just understand the hurt that we feel, that brokenness and isolation, the rejection. He actually bore it himself, all of it, so that we don't have to live in that separation again. Like, do we understand what Jesus has actually done for us? Like the depths of what he's done. Do we get it? I don't think so. I don't. Because if I did, I think I would be like, open, you know, like, I want you. I want it all. Instead, I'm like, Ooh, are you trustworthy? He's proven himself. He could do nothing forever again and still has proven himself faithful. 
And knowing this needs to change and open us up in a way that we don't feel comfortable with, but it's got to happen. Because we get so caught up in the loopholes and the charades. Like when I'm reading this and I'm reading about how the Jewish people were finding their ways around the laws, like, well, I didn't really break the law. Like, man, yeah, I do the same thing. I do it all the time and I'm managing my reputation and I'm managing the things that other people are, are thinking of me. But like I'm forgetting that Jesus is calling me back to life. He's calling to my heart and he's like, no, just show up just the way you are. That's all I want. And we get to follow his way of doing things. And that is the best way. It's not the easiest way. But in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, I will show you a still more excellent way. I love that line. And it's right before he goes into um, 1 Corinthians 13, which is the way of love. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I possess all, or if I give all I possess to the poor, give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. It is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. The way is love. This is the way. Any Mandalorian fans out there? <laughs> There's only a few of you, so the reference might go over your heads. Anyways, Star Wars, Mandalorian. Um, in, that, in this, there's these people called the Mandalorian, and they have this creed, and they follow it very seriously. And anytime they are interacting with each other and something comes up that um, is about the creed or is like about their way of living, they say to each other, this is the way. And then the other one says, this is the way. And it's like they're reminding each other, this is the way. And so I'm saying to you today, this is the way. This is the way. Yeah. Um, pardon? Oh, yeah, the mask. No, that's funny. Anyways, okay, we'll talk after. <laughs> um, 1 John 4 says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. So perfect love casts out the fear and the need to perform in order to be loved. And so as we start to really get into this and understand this, and as the love and nature of God really starts to shape us, we can allow ourselves to live open-handed, open-hearted, vulnerable, and honest. Because our dependency on our openness is not on necessarily the other person, it's on God. God's not going to fail us. We can go open-handed towards each other because we go, this is secure. My security is in him. I can open my hand and extend my heart to you. No spins needed. So instead of putting the spin on our own lives and then trying to somehow connect God to it all, 
Let's allow the true character and nature of God to permeate our hearts, our relationships, and live in simple honesty. So what does that look like practically? Um, there are two very important aspects to this. Um, there's a personal element and there's a communal element, which is very kingdom, of course. Um, on the personal level, it's just honesty with God and ourselves. Um, I think the more we interact with God's truth and we trust the Holy Spirit in his work, he starts to highlight what's really going on in us. And we can then take a true assessment of ourselves and we can say to God and to ourselves, this is where I'm really at. This is where I'm at. And the beautiful thing is, is as soon as we can say those things, like here I am, this is it, the whole mess, that's where God meets us, right? Like he doesn't wait for us to do anything else, just show up as we are. From that place, we can actually go into deeper honesty, begin to name things, confess things, process things, and heal. Um, we can put words to the things going on in our own hearts and actually get honest with others. And then that's where the communal sort of stuff starts to take place. We're letting people into the messy stages of our life and we're growing and becoming who we really are. And that's a powerful thing that actually builds trust in people. There's a simple, the simple honesty actually means that our words hold integrity. Our words hold weight. When we do say yes and no, people trust that we mean yes or no. Our lives speak of that greater kingdom, countercultural way that Jesus actually is referring to. But the cool thing is it doesn't just stop there. When we look to Jesus as the example, we see he lived that way, right? Like he was honest, he was vulnerable, his, his words were trustworthy. People could see it all over him in his life. But he didn't just live that way, he also invited other people into that. So Jesus welcomed and invited people into honesty. All throughout his ministry, the way that he saw people, the way he interacted with people, the questions he asked, it's like he saw them. He looked right into the heart of the situation. He didn't look away. He took the time and he asked questions. He invited honest answers out of people. And he did this because he cared about hearts. I like the story, um, I think it's like the guy who's by the pool, he's paralyzed I think and really sick, he's been there for years and Jesus turns to him and says, do you want to be healed? What a question to ask someone who's so sick, right? And he's like, well, I want to be healed but I was, no one's carrying me down there and, like, and just like in that simple interaction, Jesus is getting right to the heart of things with this guy, right? He's giving all these excuses, all this stuff how we do that so much. But he's asking, do you want to be healed? And then he heals him. He tells him to get up and go in the pool. Um, but yeah, we need to be people who are willing to ask the questions too of others. We need to give people opportunity to be honest with us. And we need to be trustworthy in order to do that. But are we willing to go there? Like, I'll be honest, I have conversations with people and I know that they're waiting for me to ask them how they're really doing. And I'm scared. 
of not knowing how to handle their response. And so I do like this tiptoe around like, oh, you get it. I don't wait for the real answer. I don't give space to it. And it's like, that's wrong. That's not, that's not relationship. That's not the way it's meant to be. And so I just want to challenge us. Like, are we willing to ask the questions? Are we willing to go there with people? And the thing is, is guys, we're going to mess up. Like, we're going to do this wrong a whole lot of times. But we're already, like, I'm not saying we're already doing it wrong. I'm already doing it wrong. I've done it wrong a thousand times not asking the questions. I've done it wrong a thousand times not being, not showing up honestly. And I don't want that anymore for us. And I think it's just this process where we have these choices in these interactions. Show up as you really are. We're going to hurt each other. We're going to get hurt. We're going to want to put our walls back up. We're going to want to secure ourselves between this, behind the smoke screens and spin our little stories of how we're really doing. But like real life, true, simple kingdom life is this way. And there's no way forward without it. Um, yeah, God help us. I think the cool thing that happens in this too is, I mean, I, and again, like I'm saying, like I see this happening in our, in our church family. Like I'm already seeing it. So don't feel like I'm coming at you like, y'all are lying. Not at all. Like I see it happening, but I'm just challenging us to like, just go deeper. Cause I think there's so much more. There's so much more richness that we have and that God has for us. And like so much more healing, I think than we even can imagine. Um, and as our, as we're healing, and as our community begins to thrive in that way, like imagine the actual impact. We're gonna actually spend some time in community groups this week just like dreaming about if we actually live like this, what would happen? What would our community actually look like? And I want us to kind of like get our sights there because like, first of all, I don't even think we can dream up what God can do, but I think we need to like realize this actually changes everything. It really does. And um, hard as it is, it's, it matters. And so I really just want us to be challenged to, um, you know, even the next time someone asks you a question, show up honestly. Or the next time you see someone and you know there's something under the surface there, ask the real question. How are you really doing? Um, and in, again, Jesus modeled things so well for us. You know, he, he had his three, he had his best guys that he was really close with. Then he had his 12 that he was living life with. And then he had 70-ish or so people that were kind of the greater, and then the people. So I'm not saying just like, your mess out. You don't have to just expose yourself to everybody and, and all of that. But what I am saying is like, do the people close to you even really know how you're doing and what's going on in your heart? Do the people you trust actually know? Do you know them? And do you have those relationships in your life where you are being truthful, honest, and allowing God to change you and grow you and challenge you? And so, yes, have your people, you know, have that. But, and like, that's beautiful because from those outflow come healthy community where people come in and they go, something's really different here, you know? There's, people are real. I don't have to put on a front. Like, you're just ready for me just here in my mess because we've already been working through all of that ourselves, right? 
So I want to leave us with a few questions. Um, and I can, I'll get some, I think I'll send it to community group leaders. These are not really for like, I mean, you're welcome to openly discuss them with each other if you want to, but these are some reflective questions for you just to be processing with the Lord um, in the coming days. So number one, what inner transformation needs to happen so I don't feel the need to hide or cover up? And that is a big question <laughs> that feels like a lot to ask of ourselves to figure out. But I'm, I'm saying ask this question to the Lord and of ourselves. Process that with the Holy Spirit. Where am I not showing up honestly in my life? Is there something that God is highlighting? So just spend some time with the Lord. Like, are you showing me something in my life here? Is there a hurt or something holding me back from being vulnerable with God and with others? How can I show up honestly to the people in my life and invite them to show up honestly too? And then what is the first step I can take? Because this can feel like a whole lot of stuff, like where do I even start? But just do the next right thing. Take one step in the right direction. Um, as a community, just some pointers. Honor the honesty and have conversations with grace. Make room for each other's process and mess. Learn to see others. This is ask questions and then really listen. When someone's answering the question, listen. Ask the Holy Spirit, like, show me where I ask another question. Let me hear what they're really saying in their hearts. Speak the truth in love. We all need to hear truth. How we say the truth really matters. We don't go up to someone who's actually choosing, like they might be, it might seem like no big deal. They're like being vulnerable in this little way. And to you, it's like, what? What's the big deal? And you club them over the head with some truth. Well, that's a lie and you need to believe this. Like, let's not do that. Let's speak the truth in love. I'm guilty of that. <laughs> that's where I'm like, I'm talking about myself here, guys. <laughs> My husband has been helping me learn how to speak the truth in love. Um, remember our brokenness and extend the love of Jesus. We're all in this together, guys. And be people who can be trusted with hearts, truths, and vulnerable situations. So yes, I would just like to read again in closing that scripture from James um, that I read earlier. So let's not just listen to the word of truth and not respond to it. For that is the essence of self-deception. So always let his word become like poetry written and fulfilled by your life. If you listen to the word and don't live out the message you hear, you become like the person who lived, looks in the mirror of the word, sorry, to discover the reflection of his face in the beginning. You perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the word, but then go out and forget your divine origin. But those who set their gaze deeply into the perfecting law of liberty are fascinated by and respond to the truth they hear and are strengthened by it. They experience God's blessing in all that they do. So this is, I mean, it's a timely word that God chose to give me to share in the middle of hard stuff. This has been a hard weekend, and I think it's easy. We can feel vulnerable and emotional 
in times like this. And then it can kind of like other stuff can spill out, you know. But I just want to say, like, it's okay. It's okay for us to feel how we're feeling. It's okay for us to process the mess. Um, this morning it was prayed that God is not afraid of walking these things through with us. There's no fear in him about how we feel about where we're at. He already knows it all. And so my prayer is just that even if just a little bit, we open up and show up honestly to him and to each other today. So I'm just going to pray. Lord, you're good. You're faithful and steadfast, and nothing, nothing ever changes that. And I thank you for that. I thank you that your truth is true. It is true, it is true, and we can depend on it. I pray, God, that even as we're just evaluating our own lives and allowing your spirit to do your work, that we would show up honestly, that we would be who we really are, where we're really at, and trust you with working all those things out in us. And I pray that we would be able to do that with each other too, that we would be open and honest with each other, and that we would invite others into honesty. I thank you that your way is love, God. That all of those things that we were reading that love is, you are. And I pray that we would be those things even as we become more like you, Jesus. Thank you for the things that you're teaching us. Thank you for the ways that you're growing us. Thank you that you never leave us just as we are, but you're always up to some stuff. And just like you blew the roof off of Rome and conquered sin and death, I pray that you would just um, blow the roof off of our minds and our hearts of what you can do, that we would actually see just the beauty coming out of healthy hearts and relationships within our community and our little church family here in Alliston and out into Alliston and into the world, Lord. So. Thank you for your kingdom. Thank you for your way. Thank you that, Jesus, you are a good king. We love you. Amen.